We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, the Nets suffered another loss tonight, 125-113 to the Cleveland Cavaliers again. How are we feeling, Jack? Uh, not great, Nick. Not great, Bob. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a, honestly a pretty pitiful performance. You know, just not much effort in a lot of areas, including defense, rebounding, transition, whatever you want to say. Offensively, they're able to do some nice things, but it didn't really matter at the end of the day. But before we get into it, as always, you can find us on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But, Jack, I mean, where do we start? We start with the effort, right? Because there wasn't any of that tonight. There was zero effort, Nick. And I said to you off wax that effort is a skill, and effort makes up for talent. And a lot of the time, effort beats talent. And effort has beaten talent two games in a row. And the Brooklyn Nets have shown little to no effort. They've relied on their talent. They've relied on just that end of the floor. And there's been moments and spurts of it, but you can't give two minutes of effort in a 48-minute game against a team that has been feisty and has been incredible defensively and has a lot of like underrated talent, really good defensive schemes as well. Coach has is it's just feisty in so many different ways. And look, they deserve to win, and they deserve to win both games. There is no way in the world that the Brooklyn Nets deserve to win this game when you play one side of the floor and just can't execute as a team at all defensively. Yeah, and I think it's even more frustrating is the fact they played this same team. And they knew this team is feisty and they play with effort and they have some talented players and two of their former players that, you know, played well against them again tonight. So it's like, how do you not come out with a better effort and a better plan to beat this team? And like the Cavs are a solid team. They're not one of the best teams in the league. They're a chance to be a playoff team, a play-in team. The Nets are substantially more talented, even with a shorthanded roster, even without Kevin Durant. And like you said, just the effort wasn't there and the Cavs just constantly outplayed them just there was that one possession in the third quarter where it felt like they got five offensive rebounds on one possession 
Yeah, that third quarter, Nick, was probably where it was done. 20 to 5 run the, the Cavs had. They were when the Nets were up at one stage, and it seemed like, okay, there's some momentum swinging here. And then the Nets just switch off. You can't give away a 20 to 5 run to anyone, like, to, let alone to the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are who were the worst team in the NBA, were averaging like 99 points, and they had 99 points to like three quarters against us. You know, we've given up two of the highest scores probably that they've had this season, yep. uh, both against the Brooklyn Nets. And, you know, the Nets are continuing in the downward trajectory defensively, and there's a lot of work to be done there, and we can communicate about that in a little bit. But that 20-5 to run, Nick, is emblematic of effort because you don't, you can have like 7-0 runs here or there, you can have a 9-0 run, but 20-5, to that's just like, all right, Let's just get, try and get some points. Let's just try and get some stops. But there's just no execution, no effort, no communication. Um, it's frustrating. There's a ways to go, and we don't want to overreact to a small sample size of these two games, especially this one, You know, especially when you don't have the best player in the league playing for you, your best defender, as you alluded to as well, Nick, and your best offensive player, and probably the best player in the league, uh, many could argue. But still, you have enough talent on this roster from 1 to 10 to get the job done. And uh, it's not good enough. Yeah, and I think the 20 to 5 run too, Jack, is like, you have Kyrie Irving and James Harden. That should literally never happen. If your offense is struggling that much, call a damn ISO. Call a damn pick and roll for that specific player to go and score or figure something out. And like you mentioned, Jack, the Cavs are not a great offensive team. And I'll say this. Most of my reaction tonight is not long-term or, you know, my expectations for the team. I'm upset with this one-game sample size. You know, the effort level tonight that they showcase in a game that, not that they needed to win, but they just lost to this team, and you want to set the tone for the season and continue to build those championship habits, and they're really not doing that, you know, tonight or, you know, over these last two games. And it's, it's frustrating because a lot of work still has to be done for this team to win a championship. The talent is there, and on paper everything looks great but you still have to do it. You know what I mean? It still has to be done. And really every minute matters because it's another rep that you can get. And we saw last year with the Clippers, they didn't get enough reps and it hurt them in the playoffs. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that we need to use these games as ways to get our habits on point, build those yep. championship habits, as Kevin Rand alluded to last season before the Kenny Atkinson firing. Right now, there don't seem to be a lot of championship habits. You know, you don't win games by just talent alone. You can't talent your way to a championship. No team has ever done that. Whether you're the Miami Heat, the, the Chicago Bulls, the Boston Celtics, what the Golden State Warriors, for that matter, they have good, sound principles. Yep. And the Nets have principles principles but they're not executing on them and or whether it's they're not wanting to execute on them or it's a combination of both i just think that the nets were getting shots that they would would want and Kyrie irving was scoring a plenty but there was a third quarter stretch for him uh, that i was just like man you can't just give these points away there was a possession that he had i think it was a chetty osman the the seal was given to him and then he just stands there and, and yep. they get the transition easy buck and it's just like all right, Kai, like we get it. You scored eight, 38 points, 14 to 24 from the field. Absolutely incredible offensively. There's no questions about that. There was but a how many points, points did he give up defensively? You know what I mean, yeah. Jack? And that's what everyone is like. I see on Twitter a lot of people are like hyped with Kyrie, 38 points. I pointed out to you, like, and you mentioned and you agreed with me, like there is that possession and there's numerous other lazy possessions defensively. And at the end of the day, you can't play four on five. And I said to you too, every time he misses a layup, He's the last one back, and it's a five-on-four for the other team. And, man, you're supposed to be a leader for this team, and I understand you're going through some things, but when you're on the court, you're expected to play to a certain standard, especially if you want to be a champion and you talk about you know, bringing a championship to this Nets franchise. 
you're not setting the tone defensively and the effort level from you is not there offensively you turned it up in the fourth cool but like you have to set the tone you're one of the best players in this team and when you're not putting an effort defensively it makes it that much easier for every other guy not to do it yeah, and the thing is, he has done it before for this Brooklyn Nets yeah. team. He was doing it in early stages of the of the season. You know, he was showing defensive intensity, running back in transition. I was looking up for just some reason. I was rewatching the Utah Jazz game where Kevin Durant was out and it was Kyrie Irving scoring a plenty, and then running back in transition and getting you know transition steals yeah. off, off passes from the Utah Jazz. And I'm just like. I was because I remember we talked about it on the outlet when we were talking about the, the Brooklyn Nets and, and the issues that they had. And a lot of it was, oh, who do we think is worse defensively? Is it Kai or is it DJ? And both of them are as bad as each other at certain points. But I was like, okay, well, let me see if I can find some film to back myself up and go, all right, Kyrie Irving can be good defensively. And that game showed me a lot. I didn't find like specific plays, but I was sort of just rewatching it. And he's just, he's, his tone and his tenor seem to be like, all right, I'm going to lock in here. I'm going to lead this team on both ends of the floor. If I'm going to get a bucket, I'm also going to get back and get a bucket yep. and get downward defensively, fight through these screens and such. And look, there were just times, and I think there was just, it was a lazy effort, Nick. I think it was just lazy. Um, and there was f- few and far between moments of, of defense for maybe like, a Jeff Green here and there. DeAndre Jordan got a block. Bruce Brown had his minor moments here and there. But everyone else was just poor. Poor, poor, poor. And it, again, championships aren't won in January. But uh, championship habits need to be start being built in January and beyond. Yeah, it's when anything is hard defensively, whenever they have to fight through a screen, you know, sprint on a closeout, do something crispy, communicate at an extremely high level, it's just like they don't do it. They just kind of half-ass and go through the motions and, like, things are just not crispy. And some of it, yeah, is cohesion and chemistry and not having a ton of reps. But, again, like, these are all professional NBA players, and sometimes the effort is really questionable. And, like, DeAndre is supposed to, quote-unquote, be a defensive anchor for the starting unit. And, like, at times, he is just stuck in mud. Like, he looks like he's wearing Tims. It's like Andre Drummond, like, dusted him on a couple plays. And I'm like, Andre Drummond's a talented player, but what are we doing here? Yeah, definitely. Um, look, it just reminds me of the big Shaq meme. I don't think you have the facilities for that big man. And it's basically DeAndre Jordan playing any semblance of defense. And it's just like, he finds his his intensity and his athleticism when there's a lob from Kyrie Irving or James Harden. And it's just like, well, maybe get up defensively. Like, just just, just jump for me, mate. Just jump, jump for, for me on the ball. rebounds and stop watching them in the sky. So many Nets players wait for the ball to come to them, Nick. Like, and that's what Jared Allen does well, and he punished us. Like, it's just like, yeah. we know how good this guy is as a rebounder. I've called him one of the best rebounders in the league and one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. Andre Drummond is also one of the best rebounders in yep. the league. You have two of the best rebounders on the same team. You are going to have to show intensity on that end of the floor for 48 minutes if you want to be in the game. And, Nick, this is a damning stat. 50 to 29 on the boards. That's disgusting. That just can't happen. Like, and it's the same team you just played. You know what I mean? It's not like we're talking about like, hey, you played the Cavs and now all of a sudden, I don't know, the Sixers and Joel Embiid came to town and Joel Embiid just went to work. Like, you know, I can live with stuff like that, but like you're facing the same team. You're supposed to make adjustments and like, I think it goes back to maybe coaching a little bit, but also it's hard to blame the coaches when the effort level is so low. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, Steve Nash had probably 
I, I was probably more annoyed at what he didn't do in the previous game compared to this game. Like, you know, he let Landry Shamit do some things. And I'm just like, ah, oh, come on, man. Like, he's making mistakes aplenty. Just throw some Tyler Johnson a bone here or play Bruce Brown over him because at least if Landry Shamit's giving you nothing offensively, at least Bruce Brown's going to give you something defensively. Uh, he did give away a, a few too many ticky-tacky fouls. I think some of them probably weren't necessarily warranted. But yeah, the coaching probably wasn't my issue, Nick, because we talk about, and, and we've talked about it probably a lot in like seasons past in relation to Kenny Atkinson. It's just like, all right, who is it on here? Is it on the coach or is it on the players? And a lot of the time, I will say that the responsibility goes down to the players. And yeah. uh, a, a saying that I've sort of, and, and, and utter, and, an utterance that I've, I've said a million times is like, the coach needs to give you the tools to succeed. And I think that he did that a lot. I, I think that there were times where I looked at him like, okay, here's a little bit of zone defense. But we did have like two possessions and just went away from it, despite having a little bit of success with it. And, and I talked about it on Twitter, and it's just like the, the the Nets could learn a thing or two about transition defense, about defensive intensity from this Cleveland Cavaliers team. And yes, they have a guy like Larry Nance, they have Jared Allen, they have Isaac Okoro, who are all above average, if not really elite defenders at their positions. But at the same time, they make they are also elite in terms of their mentality. They want to defend. They want to yeah. get out there. They want to make those steals. They want to get back in defense and the nets just don't the nets are lazy right now nick and and laziness can be fixed up uh, but it needs to be fixed up sooner rather than later because right now they are getting found out uh, you can't win games by playing one end of the floor and i thought i've always said that you know offense is 60 percent of the game but the nets are playing you know maybe 55 percent of that capability offensively and what like eight percent of the 40 percent on defense it's um yeah, yeah there's just not enough nick and i'm not i'm intrigued i got another what stat did... for you though jack Sure. Points in the paint, 70 to 46, oh, 70 bro. to 46. I like, I, you just heard me gasp while you were talking and you probably thought I was like talking about your take, but I just looked up the stat and I'm just like, yo, what are we doing here? Like the Cavs are an elite three point shooting team. They had probably an outlier game. The previous game shot 50%. Like, yeah, you, you should be able to defend teams at the three point line without giving 70 points in the paint. We're not talking about like the golden state warriors or even like a, another great team like the Hawks or something who, you know, they just have great three point shooting. They have some good inside out options. Like the Cavs offensively really struggled and the Nets made it as easy as possible. And a lot of that was just simple pick and roll offense. Yeah. And, and, and what do you think the issue was there, Nick? Was it an effort thing? Was it not fighting through screens? Was it getting a step back too far? Was it DeAndre not tagging the roller? What were your thoughts, I guess, on the pick and roll defense? Cause it, it's been an issue all season. Yeah, I think there's just like some confusion possibly, but number one thing is not getting over the screen. You know, they're always chasing from behind and then DeAndre's dropping and then he's just constantly caught in no man's land where he's not actually pressing the shooter, but he's also not putting a body on Andre Drummond. And then like sometimes the weak side guy is supposed to tag Drummond, but the Cavs I thought did a pretty good job of running sets where it, there was essentially no weak side guy to tag Drummond or based on how they're doing their offense, but it just has to be better. Like you just have to make guys earn more shots and like they literally just kept running the same play over and over again and it felt like every time Colin Sexton, Darius Garland or even Sexton getting an ISO it felt like it resulted in a good shot for the Cavs or they got to the free throw line and it's just like Colin Sexton's a good player and he's improving honestly obviously but like he's not the type of player that should ruin your defense you know we're not talking about Steph Curry we're not talking about you know James Harden, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, Luka you know like all the Bradley Beal, Dame Lillard like we're talking about Colin Sexton like I said Really good player, maybe even a fringe all-star player, but he's not top five, top ten. You're going to be saying, 
way more difficult challenge throughout the season. So it's definitely like a bad taste in your mouth. Obviously, like we've said, two game sample size, but still you got to be better. Yeah, you've got to be better, Nick, because 70 points to anyone in the paint is awful. Like, if you're going against Milwaukee Bucks, I think the Nets gave around 50, and 50 is bad. You want to give, like, 45 or less, around that sort of range, you know. And the Nets got to the paint a little bit more in the second half. I thought there was a at least somewhat more of a purpose to sort of get there. And also, Nick, the, the free throw disparity, yeah. 32 to 17. You know, they were just giving fouls and fouls and fouls and fouls and fouls. It was just like, what are we doing here? A, a lot of it was just, and, and I think the laziness was like not doing certain things. And when they didn't do it, they were just like, all right, let's just hack here. Let's just yep. give away a dumb foul. And it's just like, you need to play a full defensive possession. I've said on, I think I said this on the outlet, that the Nets are playing like 12 seconds of defense and then they bail it out by letting an offensive rebound or by just giving away a foul. And it's just like, you can't do that. Like, you have to be engaged for 24 seconds. And, and if you're not, then you're going to get found out against any team, whether it's the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Detroit Pistons, any team in the league is going to punish you because they make up for that by showing a little bit of hustle. And we've said before that... Every team is going to give the Brooklyn Nets their best shot. And because, you know, they're the villains, they're going to, we're going to step up to them. You know what? We just, we've got nothing to lose. The Brooklyn Nets have a lot to lose right now, and they are losing because they aren't responding. They aren't responding to what the other team is giving to them, and they aren't showing an ability to adjust on the fly. And some of that probably is coaching. And it's just like, I wanted to see more of the zone, Nick. It's just like, yeah, this I wanted switch- to see something different. Like, shit, the man-to-man doesn't work or the switching doesn't work. Start trapping the hell out of this team. I don't care. Do something like show me that you want to win the game. Like I also like am a a fan of like trying to trap a young team because I think you can have success sometimes, especially if your straight up defense isn't working. Maybe you can get lucky, force a couple turnovers. And it just feels like the Nets defense really does a whole bunch of nothing. They just play really vanilla and it's tough. And like, it's pretty easy. If I'm going against the Brooklyn Nets, I'm putting Kyrie Irving and DeAndre Jordan in a pick and roll. And I'm probably going to end up getting a good possession. And it's, it's that simple. And I don't know if there's like a pure fix for it at this time. Obviously having another great, you know, rim protector and Kevin Durant as a weak side guy and, you know, Snowville maybe, Pelt. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, maybe he can come in and do something for the Nets, but I, I'm not really sure. I think that's definitely like an issue. And like the Kyrie thing, and I don't want to get back to it and constantly complain about him, but like you said, the defensive effort, it, it just fluctuates so much. It's just so sporadic. Like, you know what I mean? Like sometimes it looks like he can, you know, he can be a defender on a championship team. And then other times I'm like really concerned about teams just attacking him and trying to get switches every single possession and going against him because, you know, like as bad as some of the other nets are, they're at least somewhat competent and they put an effort and try to slow a guy down. Like Joe Harris, not extremely talented defensively, but he understands what he needs to do when he fights through stuff and he puts a lot of effort in and it makes all the difference. And like, he can still get attacked, but at least he's putting in an effort and making their life harder instead of essentially just handing out buckets. No, definitely. And look, the, the nets had a, a lot of issues, you know, Kyrie Irving's defensive ones were probably the main one, but it was across the team, you know, DeAndre Jordan. Um, yep. It was just the lackadaisical uh, mentally, physically uh, in, in all respects. And yeah, you know, I, I want to see more zone. I, if, the, if it's just like, okay, because the Nets are currently lacking the ability to execute in terms of communication and in terms of just like making the hard switch quick and being quick mentally, being quick of mind, quick in your mouth and just going, all right, okay, make this switch here. There are 
were a couple of times where I did see, probably more so with the second unit, because you see that more with the second unit, yep. where they show that extra effort, where Landry Shamit would get switched onto the post, and Jeff Green's yep. like, nope, you go out to the perimeter. And that's where I think Jeff Green is probably showing the most defensive leadership on this team, in the yep. absence of Kevin Durant, especially. Uh, I don't think... I think James Harden is doing enough, but I think James Harden is being passive in general. Um, Do you and, think and, James Harden is trying not to step on Kyrie Irving's toes? Like, that's a feeling that I'm getting. And I'm uh, like I've said, I'm not, I've defended Kyrie a ton on this podcast, but it, oh, it just almost feels like everyone's tiptoeing around Kyrie Irving right now, given everything that's happened. And I, I feel like that's what's happening to James Harden because he tried to force passes to him on numerous occasions. Yeah, I thought that there was a lot of forced passes and uh, it probably happened more in the third quarter because the first half, you know, the turnovers weren't there and then eight turnovers in the third quarter was where it sort of started to all fall apart. Um, in response to your question, Nick, I think maybe, uh, I, I think that there is a feeling out process as James Harden did allude yep. to. Uh, I'm, I'm confident in it, but for me, uh, again, I alluded, uh, uh, this is a stat that I'm going to keep looking at um, for him. Four free throws for James Harden. James Harden is a guy that gets to the line like fifth. I would say if we're going to go back five seasons, who's had the most free throws in the league, it would definitely be James Harden. Yeah. I can't remember a game where he's had five free throws or less, Nick. And I think there were just times where it's just like, he can get a bucket. He's just like, all right, I got this guy on me and the uh, four guys on the floor on the right side. I've got the weak side, you know, basically empty. I'm going to drive to the hoop here. Do that all the time, man. Like, we need your offense. Like, we legitimately need it. Kyrie Irving's offense was there. And, like, there's no question about his offensive mentality. His defensive mentality isn't there. James Harden, I I understand what he's trying to do. He's trying to seed and go, all right, Kyrie Irving's been a bit longer than me. I need to help this guy out. I need to make sure that he's feeling himself on the offensive side of the floor and then also get these guys going. You know, he has the toughest position because he's playing as the point guard right now. He has to make sure everyone gets their own. And he's making nice kick-out passes to TLC, Landry Shamet, uh, Jeff Green. And some of the times it's just like, you don't need to do that. Just drive on him. Just get a pick and roll with Jeff Green or DeAndre Jordan and drive and do do your hacky thing. You know, Trey Young's <laughs> done it all season and he got back to it tonight. Just do it, man. Like, that's what we want from him. And he still had an... I mean, if you're looking at he the He still stats, had a really good game. And that's why I find, like, so hard, like, to be so mad. And I get it. Fans are upset. But, like, he, he's playing point guard right now. And, like, he easily could have had... 15 plus assists in this game if guys just hit open shots and like even a guy like joe harris missed some open threes that he typically knocks down like landry shamit you know he he just can't hit anything right now but uh we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
I agree, Jack. I think the free throws is something that's really frustrating. And it's ironic because I tweeted out before the game, the Nets, I think, got a foul like early on. I was like, oh, they should make this a habit, like getting the bonus early on. Like, that's what I talked about when they made the trade in the first place. Like, there's no reason not to with the offensive talent they have. And it turns out the Cavs got into the freaking bonus every single quarter. Yeah, and the time where the Nets were in the bonus, the Cavs were also in the bonus yep. at the same time. So it was just like, and but the Cavs did a better job of defending, whereas the Nets bailed them out. And that's why they had how many, we, we alluded to the stat earlier. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff. And it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. If you have loved ones that rely on your income, you need life insurance. But finding the best quote shouldn't take a lifetime. With Policy Genius, you could save 50% or more by comparing quotes from America's top insurers. First, head to policygenius.com. In minutes, Policy Genius will compare prices starting at as little as $1 a day. You might even be eligible to fast track your coverage with a no exam policy. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the paperwork and red tape. If you have any questions, their team of licensed independent experts is on hand to help. In fact, Policy Genius's award-winning service has a five-star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. Make today the day you cross life insurance off your list and get protection for your loved ones. You could save 50% or more by comparing quotes. To get covered, head to policygenius.com today. Yeah. But yeah, I think James Hunt has the right mentality in wanting to be a good teammate and wanting to be a good floor general. But he also needs to realize that we need his offense. Yeah. We need him to be aggressive. And especially when he's out there with the second unit. Because especially I thought he no Kevin Durant. Yeah. Uh, no, I couldn't agree more. He needs to be having he needs to have 30 points or more. You know, it's simple as that. 19 20 shots. Yeah, and he had 14 tonight. And look, Jeff Green had nine, TLC had nine, uh, Joe Harris had nine. He needs to be having 20. You know, he needs to have 20 or more and, and, and have a bit of balance like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant did early, at earlier points of the season. So look, he's going to find that balance. I'm pretty confident of that because we have seen it before. We know what he can be like as an offensive force. Um, I think he's just seeding a bit. He's feeling it out, and you know he and, and he's eventually going to find that balance. Um, I'm not necessarily as worried about that as other things that we've talked about on this podcast, but I, I want him to do it soon. I want to see James Harden have a you know a 50 point triple double or whatever, and, and I don't care if Kyrie Irving has 10 shots or whatever because. Kyrie Irving, we don't have to worry about offensively because he knows how to just get his own. I want like the guys that uh, have their issues to focus on those issues because we know what their strengths are. Kyrie Irving's uh, d- d- um, weaknesses are his defense. Focus more on that end of the floor, my guy. We know you can get a shot from any single spot on the floor against yep. any defender in the league. If you show us you can do something defensively and you get, you know, and you go five of 14 from the field, it's just going to be like, all right, well, at least we saw the defense there because we're not going to see consistency in, in the lack of offense because he, he, he just doesn't. He's always going to be there offensively. But yeah, I think Harden needs to be better. He needs to be better in his mentality. He needs to be more aggressive at just getting into the lane. Find and, and, and draw the contact that we know you can initiate quite easily. Um, 
especially when the Nets are lacking for offense in that 25 run. Um, I, I just think it's easy points. He knows how to get easy points, but he's not doing it. He's trying to find easy points for his teammates. And while I respect that, you know, what we need from him is to lead from the front offensively, be the offensive leader, especially in Kevin Durant's absence, as you alluded to, Nick. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting situation. And like you said, it's almost hard to be mad at a guy for wanting to get his teammates going. But at the same time, you know, given some of the lack of offensive talent, you need him to kind of pick it up. I think the free throws were important. I thought there was a couple times where maybe he should have got free throws. And it's kind of funny that like, yeah. oh, now he's on the nets and he doesn't get the same calls. It's like, okay. But, Kyrie uh, Irving as well. I think Kyrie, it seems to me that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are two of the guys in the league because they don't flail as much as a lot of other guys. They don't get calls. And I'm not saying that it was a key distinguishing factor in the game, but there was a drive down on Colin Sexton and Colin Sexton hacks like a mofo. Like yeah. that's how he plays defense. He's just like really physical. He's like Pat Beverly-esque in how he, he really toes the line, but he doesn't have the reputation of a Pat Beverly to get away with it. So I'm just like, all right, Kyrie Irving drive at him and got hit like a million times and still finishes only because he finished. If he didn't finish it, you probably still wouldn't have called the foul. And, now, I think that that's one thing that the Nets need to be a bit louder about. And as you alluded to, Nick, Steve Nash needs to be louder about. He's, again, being way too passive. And because he, you look to your coach as the leader of the team, if you're going to show a level of pass, uh, passive nature, then it's going to be up to Kyrie Irving to get the tech out there and, 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 and in that sort of respect. But I, I think that that's where one area that Steve Nash can easily change. Stand up a little bit. Do, do some Kenny Atkinson-style things. Go Hulk mode, my dude. Yeah. I think he needs to press the refs a little bit because the Nets shot five free throws in the first half. Some of that was the Nets shooting a ton of threes, but also there was plenty of possessions where, like you said, they got hacked. I think some of it is that Kyrie and KD play such a finesse game, and there's a lot of, like, swipe fouls. And if they played with maybe a little bit more power, sometimes you end up getting the calls. But hey, that's what's kind of strange with the whole uh, James Harden thing, why he's not getting calls. But hopefully that can change going to the next one. Or maybe it's just kind of switching up the rotation a little bit. I'm not really sure because, like, James Harden feels more comfortable as the playmaker, so maybe it's kind of getting all of his minutes with Kevin Durant in the next game and letting Kyrie just go to work with the second unit who's having straight scoring issues, you know what I mean, and just let him cook with them because, to be honest, he went 14-24, and I'd probably say at least six of those makes were like completely contested, difficult shots. Yeah, and there were a couple of shots when the Nets were coming back where he does do hero ball a little bit too much. And it was just yep. like, all right, man, we don't need the 18-footer there where we're down 12 with like five minutes left. That's where we need you to attack. You know, there's there's a point where he, we know you can hit those shots every now and then, but we yeah. need a, a higher percentage shot. And, and Kyrie Irving can get, you know, a, a bit ISO heavy and, and sort of in his own head. I'm like, all right, I can hit any shot here. It doesn't necessarily matter where it's from, but it's just like, well, we need the high percentage shots at this point of the game more than any other. We need to put the pressure on the defense, not bail them out. And then if there are those long sort of two-pointers, then, it, you know, they generally lead to the long rebounds and meaning that, like you alluded to, Nick, the, the poor transition defense. So, yeah, I think that... Uh, what did you funny think? they played good transition defense against the Bucks. Like, one of the toughest teams in the yeah. league to play good transition defense again because of Giannis, because of Drew Holiday, and all the weapons they have. But against the Cleveland Cavaliers, it's an issue. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But, I mean, you don't have your best player, and it hurts. The Brooklyn Nets, despite they have the big three and, you know, the health, the insurance of losing one of them, but we lost the one that you probably don't want to lose in yeah. saying that. And I agree with the decision. I'm not against it at all. I was happy, to be honest. Yeah. 
It's the most minutes I think he's played in five seasons. And, you know, a guy coming off an Achilles injury and he's had a high minutes load. So I'm, I'm happy with the decision. Hopefully he's back for the Miami Heat game tomorrow and we see uh, hopefully a W in Ky- and Kate, Kevin Durant uh, coming out and, and showing beast mode like he, we know that he can. Nick, what did you think, of, um, before we, I guess, get to some other stuff, what did you think of the starting lineup? So we had uh, Joe Harris, Bruce Brown, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and DeAndre Jordan. Yep. Um, you know, I thought it was a little small, and I know people liked it offensively, but the Cavs are a relatively big team. I, it's just, it's tough. I mean, I could complain about every starting lineup at this point because you know there's always going to be some type of issue. But um, you know, I thought it had okay moments. It just, it's going to be small, and like it just is going to have a lot of defensive issues. And Bruce Brown, you know, has his good moments, and he also has some bad moments. So it's just like. Steve Nash still trying to find that kind of correct rotation. I think it's just kind of all over the place. And I don't think he has, there's certain guys in the team that you can tell he just doesn't necessarily trust. And he just really doesn't trust that second unit right now. So like the starters and the bench, is just kind of all over the place. And I think, like you said, losing Kevin Durant hurts so much because not only are the Nets, you know, shorthanded a little bit, but he's such a big piece of what they do on both ends of the floor. So it's just like, it's really tough to replace. And like, unless you get the 50 point game from a James Harden or a Kyrie Irving or both guys kind of just go off because the other, the other aspects of the game, the Nets just aren't winning right now. One of those guys he doesn't trust Nick is Bruce Brown, despite having, you know, plus five, the only starter in, in plus uh, who was positive in the plus minus still only had 23 minutes. Do you think that those minutes should have been jacked up for our boy, Bruce? Yeah, I think if you're missing energy and you know, one guy who does consistently bring energy is Bruce Brown, you would think that you'd play him a little bit more, but I feel like Nash like gets too worried about offense sometimes. And I don't know if this is like his philosophy or maybe there's something Bruce Brown's doing on the floor that we don't notice, but it's like, if they're having any type of issue where the other team goes on a run, like his counter is more offense. You know what I mean? It's not more defense. It's like, you know, Steve, there's two two uh, ends of the floor. And I feel like Bruce Brown has a pretty big impact, not only on the defense, but uh, rebounding is pretty important too. He didn't have a huge game tonight, but he's a guy that actually boxes people out. Yeah, and he's a guy that actually jumps for rebounds. You know, yeah. we don't have any of those guys and anymore. And fights for loose balls. And and does like you know he, he he and he guards you full court some possessions and he got us some steals he got us some two steals and two blocks for him is is immense in twenty in twenty three minutes and you know you're he's like you know uh, he has some quotes like you know we didn't show up today and all these sort of things it was just like well you play your your best defender probably on the roster right now in the absence of Kevin Durant you know Jeff Green is great but I do think that Bruce Brown provides a bit more tangible energy on that end of the floor and it's more impactful like you feel his presence defensively yeah, yeah. probably a little a bit more than Jeff Jeff Green. It's probably negligible at the end of the day, but I don't I understand. Jeff Green's probably a better communicator. Definitely, he, he's a he's a great he's a great leader, and he has to be you know at the sort of back line of that defense. Yep. But but Bruce Brown just gives you the effort, and you see it like two steals and two blocks from him, and in 23 minutes, TLC had you know uh, and I get the three ball was falling, but he was minus 16 in his minutes, Nick. Like and Joe Harris was minus 18, and I just like take. And it, it pains me to say it, but take five minutes away from those two guys, and Bruce Brown needs to play 30 minutes. Like it, it, I just don't understand. I think that we saw the stat. Like you know, the Nets are like what six and three when Bruce Brown plays uh, 20 minutes or 30 minutes or more, something like that, and they're three and six without him. 
you know, we saw it's just like you could feel his impact out there. And like he sometimes it's just like take that corner three, but then he gets the floater. He just yeah. knows his own game. And I think that he knows how he can impact the, the game. And like, you know, when he got the foul on Torian Prince, I didn't think it was a foul either. Hearing him say all ball, all ball. And it's just like, and like he, and the, the ref goes to him to, uh, you know, you hit him in the face. And he goes to Torian Prince, did I hit you in the face? Did I hit you in the face? And it's just like, I want to see that. I want to see yeah. a little bit of grunt from this team. We're playing too pretty, Nick. Yeah, and he's a competitor. You know what I mean? Like, he's trying to win every possession he can win, and I appreciate that. You know what I mean? As a fan, that's that's the type of player you want to see. I think Bruce Brown, like, one thing he can do offensively that would, you know, provide a lot of uh, impact would just be set more off-ball screens. Like, I think that's a, it's a way for him to have an impact because I will say Larry Nance cheated off him a lot, and that led to a couple steals for Larry Nance because, to be honest, like you said, Bruce Brown doesn't want to shoot that three-ball and there's no reason for him to really shoot. I think he's maybe hit one or two this season. So it's it's kind of finding his groove offensively, too, and what works. But like I said, Steve Nash gets too worried about the offense being pretty instead of just kind of letting it go to work because you have two guys that can score offense on their own without the other four guys on the floor. Like James Harden and Kyrie Irving are literally capable of putting up points by themselves. So it's it's kind of finding that mix. And I feel like TLC has kind of lost some of his defensive energy. You know, it just doesn't quite feel the same out there in terms of, or maybe it's just in comparison to seeing a real defender like Bruce Brown. I'm not sure. No, I, I agree. It seems to me that, like, he gives, he's, he's, he's such a foul giver. Like, he gives away fouls way too easily. And he like, grabs I a through. lot. Even, honestly, I saw him not get called for about five fouls today. I saw him trying to box out uh, Jared Allen, and he's, like, grabbing his ass, like, grabbing his jersey. I'm just like, bro, that you don't need to do that to box somebody out. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Nick. So, yeah, I think he certainly has lost a step there. But, you know, he is he's a hot and cold player. He's Katy Perry, you know, especially with that three ball. And, and that defense seems to be more cold than hot. You know, it seems to me every second game we get TLC hit 50% of his threes. But yeah. also, it's like Kyrie Irving. What are you giving us on the defensive side of the ball? And TLC was put into the starting lineup early in the season to be the guy, uh, once Spencer Dewey was injured, to provide us defense. But be the defensive stopper on Trey Young. And while he wasn't amazing, you know, there was the effort and there was the, the, the mentality, the right mentality. And it seems to me right now with his bench roll, it's just like, well, the Nets lack a lot of offense coming off the bench. I need to be this gun. I need to put up my threes. And he had some nice effort plays as well off his miss. You know, he, he did it. He had a nice reverse layup um, as well. So, look, it's you give and you take with the, with the TLC experience yeah. and, 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 our, and, our, and our entire bench for that matter. Um, but there's not, the depth is certainly gone. You know, Torian Prince is, only plays well against his former teams, whether it's the Atlanta Hawks or now the Brooklyn Nets. He's not going to have a good game for the rest of the season, I don't think. But in saying <laughs> that, you know, him, Jared Allen was feasting on us as well. And um, Joe Harris wasn't having the best night. And uh, it's probably because uh, he was dead because uh, Joe, uh, Jared Allen absolutely murdered him. Yeah, he did. He he went to work on him with that dunk, and uh, I think uh, Larry Nance called James Harden too, so that wasn't great. And that's going to happen when you play undersized so much and you switch so much, especially when it's not necessary. So it's tough out there for Joe, and I it's like he's still doing a lot of the same things that he does, and it's just like he, I just feel like he feels a little bit out of sync with the offense at times, just because it's just been so kind of star centric at different points. But getting back to the bench, Jack. That's that's a real issue right now. The bench is not competent. It's not an NBA level bench, and they really need to make some upgrades right now and try to find guys that fit in. And you mentioned TLC, and he's so sporadic that one night he looks like one of the better bench players in the NBA, and then some nights you question if you know he should be getting minutes. 
And yeah. I'm not saying tonight was that type of night, but it just kind of goes to show you the type of players they have. And, and what do you think about him and his role moving forward? Yeah, I mean, look, he's going to get minutes, Nick, because yeah. there's you're not going to get many other minutes. options. <laughs> no, you're going to give him Chris Chioza. Maybe I wouldn't mind maybe trying out Tyler Johnson. You know, he got some garbage time with Chioza tonight. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, he he is going to be uh, as bipolar as he has ever been. Um, consistency is what you want out of your role players. You know, you need to star in your role, as Tristan Thompson did say, and we don't have a lot of guys doing that. You know, Joe Harris kind of does that, but even he has lost a semblance of his consistency of late. I'm, I'm confident that he'll get it back. You know, shoot I think, shoot. like I said, I think he's just kind of more so out of sync. Yeah, and look, like the, the shot is going to fall. Like he was two or seven, uh, in, so for the past two games, I think four or fourteen. So you know, it's it's a it's a two game stretch. You know, since the insertion of James Harden, I think he's finding his own. Whether it's going to be with the stars, whether it's going to be with the bench, I don't know. But um, we, it's going to be uh, an acclimation process for him, and I think he's going to figure it out because you know shooters do have cold stretches, and he's still one of the best shooters in the NBA, as we saw a stat the other day. So he's going to be fine. But yeah, as you alluded to, TLC and and Landry Shamet, those are two guys that we need to contribute we literally need them like we need it and I, and I get it like you know it's probably you know if you had like a Trevor Ariza there or Rondé Hollis Jefferson or whoever else it, it might be it's just like okay these guys have been around the wings before but Landry Shamet it I feel like I, it, it bewilders me a little bit because he's shown that he can be a capable offensive player and provide you a spark of some sort but he's just—he's lost his powers, Nick, and 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 really sucks because I think he can be, and he has shown to be so much better. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like sometimes you see the three-point shot come out of his hand, and you already know it's going to miss. It's like off, you know. It's just something's not right. He's not comfortable. And like I said, maybe it's something with a roll. But he got you know 18 minutes tonight, and he got six shots up, five threes. Couldn't hit any of them. It's tough. I mean, are you losing any hope for Landry Shamit, or do you think he'll be able to turn around at some point this year? Uh, look, Nick, I'm I'm hoping I'm the optimist in me that he can contribute because he's done it in basically every other team that he's played on. For the Los Angeles Clippers, he was a really capable role player. For the Philadelphia 76ers, a really capable role player. And it's not like we're asking him to do anything that he hasn't done. If anything, we're sort of narrowing his role to what it probably was more in Philadelphia than what it was yeah. in Los Angeles. And that should only be helping him. So I'm not 100% sure. Uh, it's a lot of the slander online, I, I've been guilty of it as well. It sucks. And also the, the news coming out, Brian Windhorst the other week that we alluded to where, you know, the Nets did try to shop him. Maybe that it, maybe he heard that. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. But he heard that and he's just like, man, that kind of sucks. You know, does this team want me? And maybe Sean Marks needs to have a word to him. Steve Nash needs to have a word to him and go, look, you are with this team. We need you. And, 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 and I, I think that sometimes... You know, we alluded to like Steve Nash is, has this high level of emotional intelligence. This is what that man management, you know, he's a player's coach. This is where you need to step up and try and get the most out of these role players. You, we know you're a superstar. We know you can relate to James Harden and, and Kyrie Irving and, and, and Kevin Durant. How is it that you can be like Steve Kerr, like Greg Popovich, like these guys that know how to relate and get the most out of everyone on their roster, like Phil Jackson in, in years of old. So I think that that's one thing that Steve Nash needs to do a little bit better. Sean Marks needs to do a little bit better. You know, we heard Sean Marks come out and say that he was communicating with Karis about regularly about the fact, look, you might get traded, mate. And, I, and look, I respect that transparency, but I think Landry Shaman and a lot of these role players need that transparency. I think TLC is fine. I think he knows what his role. He just needs to execute it. Landry Shaman maybe needs a little bit of a rev up or maybe needs a little bit of a, a pat on the bum and go, look, 
we need you in this team. Yes, uh, we tried shopping you. Yes, we wanted to keep Jared Allen. But right now, that's done, mate. And we want you and we need you to win this championship. And maybe that's what it's going to take for him to contribute to this team going forward. I really, really hope he can pull it together, Nick. Um, and the optimist in me wants him to even more so. Yeah, I mean, like you said, all the evidence points to him hopefully bouncing back and becoming, you know, a good three-point shooter again because he's really good. He had a lot of tough threes over his short career so far. So, I mean, it would be pretty impactful given the players on this roster. I think another guy on the bench that uh, just kind of shown that, you know, maybe he's just not ready for NBA minutes is probably Reggie Perry. You know, there's a couple of just rookie mistakes, and it's just kind of a constant thing and and what you need him to do with the lack of talent on that second unit, it's going to be tough. Unless, you know, he's playing with Jeff Green consistently and the other center isn't great. If it's like, you know, a mediocre center, you know, Jared Allen might be the best backup center in the league if, you know, you even want to call him a backup. So that's obviously going to be a mismatch. But I feel like at times Reggie Perry just kind of just doesn't look the part. You know, I know it was kind of a honeymoon phase and everyone kind of hyped him up and he looks a little bit more like a second round pick rookie this year. Oh, in this game. And, and I think as a big, probably more than any other, the, in that position, it takes the most time to make an impact on the floor. We're seeing, you know, issues with the the, the second pick in Golden State and James Wiseman yep. having his consistencies. You know, I think it's the hardest position on the floor to make an impact because you are asked so much, especially defensively on that end of the floor. Yes, it's easy to get some boards. Yes, it's easy to get some putbacks. And, you know, he, he's done that a, a couple of times. But, you know, I was listening to the Zach Lowe podcast with Mike Schmitz, and he said that the Nets did get a little bit of a steal you know he has a, an ability to make a real impact you know he's really aggressive but it can sometimes be a little bit irrational and, and sort of let get caught up in in his head sometimes and we've and seen you that. Can see that a little tonight and we saw it i think as well the other night um when we we saw curry of intel and i might do just chill chill all right it, it's fine when it's a one especially i think and, and to have a semblance of stability uh, about it and look he's a young kid you know he's getting it together and I think he's going to be a good NBA player, but on a championship team, I'm not sure if he's got it right now. But he's getting the reps, uh, and 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 against a team that's got some pretty damn good bigs, one that we know very intimately, and also Andre Drummond. Look, there aren't going to be meta, many worse matchups than those two guys. Yeah, I agree, and I think it's also like you mentioned, it's it's tough because you're in a ton of actions defensively, especially when they're trying to attack, you know, in the pick and roll, you know, with Kyrie Irving or whatever's on the floor, because. The Nets don't necessarily have amazing on-ball defenders, so it's putting more pressure on a guy like that, and it's it's kind of learning the experience of like how much you can cheat in certain situations. And like you said, that's tough to ask for a first-year player, especially a guy that's not like doesn't have that elite athleticism, that recovery speed that can help make up for a lot of mistakes. Like Jared Allen, like when he was a rookie, he got away with a lot of stuff because he was so damn quick. You know what I mean? And he could just step back and even plays now he could cheat probably more than a lot of bigs in the league just because of how gifted he is on you know with the athleticism and the length that he does have but you know if you if you wanted to miss Jared Allen this game made you oh bro this and yes network playing like tribute videos and stuff and again that dunk on Joe Harris was just filthy he's smiling going down the floor after making all these plays and it's just like man I'm happy for you Jared I really want you back my guy I'll give up pretty much any any player on this roster right now for you pretty much my dude and look he's gonna have great success going forward and the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, they got a good one and uh, he's gonna have some great success with them and he already is um he's gonna continue to play like an absolute baller um love Jared I'll much love for him and Toy and Prince you know continue doing your thing hopefully he can have consistency my guy but damn I wish he was doing it for the Brooklyn Nets um insane- we might not have seen a trade if that was the case <laughs> 
Yeah, true, 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 true. And uh, Nick, we didn't see any Tyler Johnson tonight. Uh, some people were were clamoring for some TJ minutes. What about you? I, I like Tyler Johnson. I like the energy. I like the effort that he brings. And I'm not saying he needs to be a consistent part of the rotation, but he's also a guy you can plug and play. Hey, we're having a bad stretch. We need some defense. We need some effort. Throw Tyler Johnson out there. You know what I mean? I think he also would be a nice compliment to James Harden, kind of almost in like an Austin Rivers type role where like he doesn't necessarily have to do much, but occasionally he might create some offense, might shoot a, you know, a weird three and make it like that's what I could see Tyler Johnson doing. So hopefully he can kind of, you know, get some minutes and give that team a spark. I mean, and I like his personality. He seems like he's liked by a lot of his teammates, too. Yeah, I'd like that comparison to Austin Rivers, Nick, because, you know, we know what James Harden can do with role players because, you know, the Houston Rockets have basically surrounded him with that um, and a couple of superstars here and there and, and P.J. Tucker and sometimes yep. Clint Capella or Dwight Howard. You know, they've done that before. So it's just that the, our role players aren't being... the. Obviously, we were asking them to do more, lay some off-ball screens and not just sit out there on the perimeter and shoot threes, but insane that they should... You know, Landry Shaman and TLC, sometimes you get, you get hit and miss out of them. But Tyler Johnson, give him the opportunity. You know, we, we does a good job getting to the free throw line, too, occasionally. Yeah, and look, he, he can create uh, a lot of shots for himself uh, as well. And, uh, you know, he's pesky, he's athletic. Um, it's not like Landry Shaman's giving you a lot uh, offensively uh, and defensively for that matter. So, look, experiment with it. You know, I think that what Steve Nash needs to realize is that the early points of the regular season are where you figure out, okay, what can I find? What can I find out about the players that I have? And can these guys contribute to, to meaningful minutes when it does matter? And the Nets are obviously still have a, a lot of issues to, to sort out. And it's going to take quite a while where, you know what, like a, a fourth or a fifth in, away into the season. And there's a lot of issues still that are pertaining. And they're the same issues that we thought heading into the season. So I think he needs to go, all right, we know what we've got out of our superstars. What are we going to get out of our role players? We need to give them some opportunities here. Uh, we also need to have that balance and go, oh, okay, well, we can't give them too much too much leeway but we've got at least a couple of guys we can trust you know I don't, again I don't want to see for many games for the rest of this season unless TLC is hot offensively like hot not just like three of seven from three hot but like five of seven from three and playing some at least average defense he should not get more minutes than Bruce Brown yeah I agree Jack Dan, just kind of looking at the roster, I have a question for you. And obviously, we were pretty critical of the team and the rebounding department, points in the paint. But like looking at it, the amount of guards that they played tonight is just kind of ridiculous. Like if you look through the line, they started four guards. You have Joe Harris, you have James Harden, you have Bruce Brown, you have Kyrie Irving, you have Landry Shamit. And in my opinion, TLC really was drafted as a guard. He has maybe a small forward body if you want to convince yourself that. But like, it's kind of already putting yourself at a huge disadvantage. And obviously some of that's missing Kevin Durant, but like they need to get some bodies. And I know I've been uh, someone on Twitter pe uh, preaching patience, but like they desperately need like at least another forward for the roster. Definitely. You know, the loss of Torian Prince, you know, I thought he was a decent rebounder for this team. And um, it was I one of the like things I even like to that... see damn Rodions at this point. <laughs> yeah, look, man. We need a body, Nick. You know, we need a body. It's almost like the Orlando uh, bubble. You know, it's just like yeah. the the the, guard, the point guard nets, the the guard nets. The, there's some shooting guards, there's some point guards, and there's a center. Uh, right now, that's that's similar to what the roster is right now. Obviously, those guards are are much more talented, and James Harden. You know, he plays as a four defensively a lot of the time. He's a really good in the post, but you know, he he doesn't jump for boards. And you know, we got out rebounded. You know, you look at the likes of everyone else on the roster, Larry Nance. 
Jr., 10 rebounds. Uh, Andre Drummond, 16 rebounds. Uh, Jared Allen, 6 rebounds. Uh, Dylan Windler, 6 rebounds. You know, we had... Uh, one guy in, in double... We didn't have anyone in double figures, sorry. Joe wow. Harris was our best rebounder, Nick, with seven. DJ had four. Yeah, and he played 25 minutes. And I think, you know, there was just too many possessions where the ball just went past his face. And, like, that's another person that needs to get kind of lit up by somebody. I said Kyrie Irving needs to get talked to about his defensive effort. Same thing needs to happen DeAndre Jordan on the boards. Like, you're on this team. You're getting $10-plus million a year. And, you know, really rebounds. rebound, exactly. Like, I know that you're not going to magically become athletic again and be a great defender, but really you can still rebound without a ton of athleticism. Look at a guy like Ed Davis for us a couple of years ago. Not a great athlete. He just fought and he was strong. DeAndre's a freaking bigger dude than him. And he's supposed to be here to be a rebounder for rebounds. And I, I wish I had the stats in front of me about how many offensive rebounds were grabbed while he was on the floor. It'd be a lot, Nick. It'd be a lot. Uh, Andre Drummond had more offensive rebounds than he did. Jared Allen had two offensive rebounds. Uh, Isaac Okoro had two offensive rebounds. Larry Nance Jr. had two offensive rebounds. It's Look, if Andre Jordan is going to be so poor in one area of the floor, he needs to give you something else, not just yeah. be a net negative everywhere. Like, you have four turnovers, my dude. You lead the team in turnovers. You have more turnovers than James Harden and Kyrie Irving. What is that? He can't catch the ball either. It's so crazy. Like, I, I, there was a pass by Joe Harris in this game where he threw a beautiful pass, just straight chest pass, maybe had a little heat on it. Straight up hit him in the hands and bounced off. Luckily, it hit Isaac Okoro, so it was the Nets ball. But it's just like, man, the center position drop-off is huge. Like I like I mentioned to you before, I don't know if I said on-air or off-air. Like, if they were able to keep Jared Allen and make this trade, I think the Nets would probably be favorites because he's that much better than DeAndre Jordan, and he covers up so many more areas. And it's like, I wish we could have a mulligan and try to figure something out and, and get Jared Allen back on this team because it's, it's almost funny to the extent is like, the Rockets didn't even want Jared Allen. You know what I mean? It was like they need to get the extra pick and they need to get off Torian Prince's contract where it's like, man, could we have like been a little bit more patient or tried to figure something else out where we could have kept Jared Allen? Because it would have been such a, a giant impact for this team and their outlook moving forward. And obviously the roster's not done and maybe they can add a good center to this team. But we've talked about it before. They're very limited in the assets that they do have. Yeah, we heard that the uh, JaVale McGee rumors heat up a yep. little bit. Um, look, I don't think JaVale McGee solves a lot of the issues, but he at least gives you a semblance of competency. You, know, Norvell you think Powell, he's better than DeAndre Jordan now? I probably uh, do. Dude, he's like 10 times better than DeAndre <laughs> Jordan. DeAndre Jordan is not a starter in this league. Like, yep. he is... Like, Dwight Howard is better than him. Like, yep. there is so many centers in the league. Like, Donald Jordan is verging on Alex Len territory. That's how bad he is right now. And, like, yeah, he had a great game against the, the Milwaukee Bucks. It doesn't take away from that. But he also was, like, that was the, the position where he wasn't rebounding at all. And he was just staying back, like, five feet in front of the rim and was just allowing Giannis to do nothing. And Giannis made him look good in a lot of respects. And he is a good post defender still. But, uh, you know, Andre Drummond was just like, okay, last game, this guy was better on me in the post. I'm going to do a little bit more. And Andre Drummond by far outplayed him. You know, and Reggie Perry obviously is Reggie Perry. But and even some of the things on Andre Drummond, it was like simple things of DeAndre not having like fundamentals. Like he was having the wrong hand up. You know what I mean? Like if a Drummond's coming across you and he's trying to shoot a hook shot and your arm is down, like it's going to be easy. 
Like as yeah. somebody who's played basketball and is, you know, I'm like six, three, you're six, three as well. Like you go against people like the average human is typically smaller than you. So you, you're used to working in the post. So like, if you're giving me that shot, like I'm feeling extremely comfortable. Andre Drummond is playing basketball a hundred times more than me. He's dealt with a lot bigger bodies than I've ever had to deal with. And Deandre just made it too easy for him. He gave him space to shoot a hook shot in the paint. Like that's Andre Drummond's go-to move. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, look, um, Woj in his piece on Norvell Pell uh, alluded to this. They hope Pell can provide a measure of rebounding and shot-blocking depth to an offensive juggernaut desperate to tighten up defensively. Uh, desperate is right, Woj. I'm, I'm sure Sean Marks is like, dude, you better use the word desperate here because we are desperate right now. We're on our knees praying for someone to get us a rebound on this team because we're not relying on DeAndre Jordan and a rookie. You know, I, I get Reggie Perry has an out. He's, he's played five, ten games in, he's in his life. He's the 57th overall pick, and he's on a two-way deal. Like, yeah, that's, just, it, that, that's it. He has an out. But DeAndre Jordan, you don't have an out because we need you, and you are giving us nada. Yeah, Pell is interesting just because like he will be able to block some shots, rebound the ball, and catch some oops. But um, talking to Alec, uh, who's one of our guys at OTG, he's a co-host of Always uh, Something in Philadelphia, he talked about him not really having a ton of switchability. Doesn't have much range. So it's really just like block shots, rebound. I think he should be able to catch some oops, but like there could be plenty of issues in terms of defensive communication. And then he's also kind of a fouler. Yeah, look, I I, I was surprised at the signing, Nick, and I, I'm not sure why Dwayne Dedman wasn't, you know, reached out to. And I think that maybe he's been blackballed by the league in, in some sort of way. Or he might, he... you know, typically like a player who hasn't signed might be dealing with some type of personal issue that Possibly, is then... not public. And the, the teams know because they know his agent, but it's not like we're going to make a story of Dwayne Dedman dealing with something because why do that? Yeah, possibly, because at the end of the day, um, Dwayne Dedman is a better player than Norvell Pell. And yeah. I think Dwayne Dedman would probably be on an NBA team, possibly. Um, no, I, 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 guess. I, I did hear there were some like locker room con- and effort concerns about Dwayne Dedman and his exit from Sacramento. I, I, I just, Yeah, so I, that could be something with it, too. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I still there's probably some red flags on him, but I, I still think that whether it's him, JaVale McGee, or whoever, but the Nets need actual bodies to contribute. And look, there might be some better guys out there than Norvell Pell, but um, if he can prove us wrong and, and block everything in sight and be like a, a light version of Mitchell Robinson, then then cool. You know, you, you play 20 minutes and you get five fouls, but you have five block shots. I'm cool with that. You know, he's, he's we're, we're probably questioning right now, Nick, that he could be the best center on the roster. And that's a, that's a damning, damning thing. Yeah, I mean... I hope Nick Claxton could be the best guy in the roster. I mean, I'm I'm holding up hope for Nick Claxton, like that he could be some type of savior because he, in the perfect world, he fills so many needs. And I know it's like kind of crazy. He's a second year player, but we saw some flashes of him last year, but he plays with the energy, toughness and swag that the Nets team really needs. Like that young energy, that young energy that Colin Sexton has. The Nets just brought it as well. Yeah. Jared Allen brought it. I don't think he even has it the same level. Nick Claxton has it though. Like Nick Claxton just has, kind of like almost a badass mentality. It's just the, the way he rubs you on the court. Like when he stepped on the NBA court, he did not give a shit who he was going against. Like we saw him early on in his career, clamp up CJ McCollum, clamp up Devin Booker on switches, block shots, throw down dunks. And like, that's the type of shit that the Nets really need. Like they really need a Nick Claxton right now. And I, I'm not trying to put all the pressure on this young player that he's going to save the Nets, but 
for a bench unit, he could give them some major spark and the defensive potential with Nick Claxton is really high. Like he's a guy that had maybe not the same level of defensive potential of Jared Allen, but you also make an argument that Clax is switchier. You know what I mean? Because he showcased that he's a little thinner in frame, but I really, I really want to see Nick Claxton. I would love if he was healthy right now. I don't know. Maybe he's going to take Karis LeVert's spot in my heart on this Nets roster, but I, I really could go for some Nick. Yeah, we definitely need some Nick. Clax, come save us, my dude. Yeah, he, I don't need to add anything to that, Nick. I'm a big Claxton stan as well, as is a lot of Nets Twitter. But um, it's one game, Nick. We, we try to maintain a semblance of objectivity, and the Nets also do have the 5.7 million uh, DPE for Spencer Dinwiddie as well. Spencer wasn't necessarily too happy about it posting to Instagram, but yeah. I, I saw someone tweet, actually, Alex Thurman tweeted something out from the CBA saying that technically Spencer could still return even if he does recover since the injury is expected to keep him out the whole year, which is the most likely scenario. So I think maybe Spencer needs to check out the CBA real quick and realize that, hey, it might be okay. He's representing himself as well, so he should know these things right now. But uh, we saw some videos of him as well recovering and doing different exercises. So that's really cool to see. Hopefully um, he's back playing basketball in some form. And hopefully it's for the Brooklyn Nets at the latter points of this season. But uh, they could use Spencer Dillon. They could use Nicholas Claxton. Nick, we could use anyone on this team right now. uh, Jack, can I ask you a really uh, hard question, like a super hard question? And it's... it's Short-sighted, obviously, this is more long-term. If the Nets continue with this amount of issue, like defensively, and they lack the type of positional players, do you think they'd have to consider trading Joe Harris for another role player? Yeah, look, uh, I think it's Joe Harris or it's Kyrie Irving. I think Kyrie Irving is the one that trends on Twitter. It's the one that gets talked about on podcasts. You know, I've seen people bring up, you know, a trade with New York for Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson. and Yeah, uh, that guy's in my DMs too. <laughs> yeah, look, it, it happens. It happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm, but I think that I do understand why it is there. But Joe Harris also... You, you lose a semblance of your three-point shooting and a, and a semblance of your offensive identity. So unless you are getting back, you know, really capable defenders in return, um, then you don't do it. But, you know, Joe Harris is one of the... Any team would clamor to have him, even on the contract that he's on right now. You know, he's performing... It's almost a benefit that the number is so high for the Nets. Yeah, no, definitely, because you, you can get some guys out there, but I, I hope it doesn't come to that angle. Hopefully, like, there is just some some role players out there. The Nets can get it together themselves. They establish some form or a semblance of a defensive identity because, look, the best defensive teams in the league, you know, the Los Angeles Lakers are doing their sleep. That's just because they have great defensive talent and great defensive leadership. And but great team- basketball IQ. A lot of intelligent players in that team. Yeah, incredible. And the Nets do have that. Like, the Nets have a really smart basketball team, so they should be able to, you know, establish uh, some form of identity on that end of the floor, but they just haven't. And uh, and some of that is just they don't have the bodies that a lot of other teams do. But, you know, the Miami Heat, you know, they just have this culture, this mentality, and an incredible level of coaching. You know, Jacques Vaughn, like, let the man, like, go, all right, let me do do some things defensively. Because it seems to me that, like you alluded to, Nick, the offense is overriding the defense in so many different aspects of play. And is Ime Yudoka, is, is Jacques Vaughn being allowed to have their say and an input? I'm sure they are, but if they were, I would think that we'd probably have a bit better of a defensive identity and a little bit more of a flexible defensive identity uh, in saying that too. Yeah. And I think also like some of the turnovers are just leading to super easy points. And that just like brings down some of the defensive energy, too. And then it also puts them in a bad transition thing. I actually saw a conversation happening between Steve Nash, Yudoka and Jacques Vaughn. And I was assuming it was about defense. So it is kind of interesting and in seeing how they can figure stuff out. It'd be kind of fun to see the zone tomorrow against Miami. 
You know what I mean? Because Miami runs his own so much, too. And that's something the Nets are going to see a lot, too. But, uh, Jack, anything else you want to touch on? Obviously, we'll have a show again tomorrow after the Heat game, and hopefully the Nets can bounce back. And I don't care if they win the game. I just want to see them play hard. I mean, I want them to win the game, Nick. I think it's uh, it's almost crucial that they do. And I did put out a, a tweet earlier in the day saying, like, you know, point differential is generally a decent indicator of a team's form and where they are in terms of that. And the Nets were top five there after tonight. I'm not sure if they're they're yeah. sticking around. And you know, they were there with like the likes of the Bucks and uh, and 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 the Lakers and the Clippers. And I think that the Nets are one of the best teams in the league, and they should be. But right now, they're not playing like it, um, and they need to, to to work some things out. And one thing the zone does do is you do it against teams that can't shoot really well. The Miami Heat don't shoot really well. The Tyler Cavs Hero's going to be out. Tyler Hero is also out for an extended period, and you know the the Cavs don't shoot really well. And when we do do the zone uh, again, I alluded to it earlier in the pod, but uh, I want to see you know more actions on both sides of the floor. It seems to me that we get caught up in just reading and reacting on both ends of the floor rather than going, all right, let's do this, let's do this. And, you know, I know that the one thing that stuck out to me is like LeBron James saying last season is like, you know, we never lose two games in a row. That's always our mentality. We we don't let that happen. And I think that that needs to happen. It's just like, you know, uh, lessen that mentality and go, all right, we're not letting, you know, we're getting at least one stop uh, out of two. You know, 50% of the time, we're getting a stop here. We're getting the board and we're finishing the possession. You know, just these little things, I think, behind, behind the scenes. Like, we heard Jeff Green earlier in the season go, like, we need to get it from our defense to our offense. And um, it, it, it started and then it lo- got lost along the way. You know, I, I, there's a lot of issues, Nick. And um, we uh, are given the opportunity to be able to see them in person, 48, not in person, but 48 minutes of it, game after game after game. And uh, there hasn't been a lot of improvement there, but hopefully it does happen. And hopefully uh, the Miami Heat is where it does begin to happen. Yeah, I agree, Jack. And I think Kevin Durant, hopefully from a leadership perspective, comes out and sets the tone. Do you think there's a chance we could see Kyrie Irving rest tomorrow? Maybe. I don't think he's going to want to. Um, I, I, I honestly, didn't he He didn't play that many minutes tonight. Was it something like 31 or something or 32? Yeah, I think like 32, 33, nothing too yet. They're actually 30 minutes, so nothing too crazy. But he did play 40. 48. Yeah, so it, I, it'll be interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I, I think his conditioning is okay, um, and I think he's going to want to. But look, we we need to eventually figure it out with the three superstars. So I hope he does play because then it allows us to actually go, more all right, reps. We can, yeah, we can have some more reps and we can take away some things, whether it's from the offense or the defense or, or both. So um, hopefully the Nets bounce back tomorrow, Nick, and um, we get on our winning ways. Yeah, I'd love to see them come out with just a dominant first quarter effort and just really set the tone and just... You know, and you said, Jack, we need to win every possession. And, like, obviously you do need to do that. But I think the Nets need to make the game simpler, okay? And uh, make sure they win every quarter. That's an easy start. Hey, we're going to win the first quarter. We're going to win the second quarter. We're going to win the third quarter. We're going to win the fourth quarter. And the end of the day, we're going to win by 20. And that's what they were doing early in the season. They were winning every single quarter. Or they'd they'd lose one quarter and they'd dominate the other three. And that needs to happen. It's okay to play one bad quarter. But you need to make sure you're coming with the heat. And also... Third quarters are an issue. Like, that needs to not be a thing. You know, this happened tonight. I think it happened in the Cleveland game. And you need to come out with that extra effort and be like that Golden State team that really just dominated third quarters and put teams to sleep because you have that type of offensive talent and they should be doing that on a regular basis. Yeah, that's what happened to the to the Nets of old a lot. You know, the third yeah. quarters we would get would get blown out. And, you know, we're not that team anymore. We've got some goddamn superstars. And, yeah. Uh, in uh, a lot of Aussie vernacular and Aussie sports, they call it the premiership quarter, the third quarter, the championship quarter, I guess, uh, to translate it to basketball terms. So, yeah, the Nets need to be better 
in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, in every quarter. Let's get back to, to playing some winning basketball, get those championship habits going. Yeah, 100%, Jack. And uh, just a, a quick quote that I actually saw via our guy, Matt Brooks, and this is Kyrie Irving saying through a smile, we don't want to be flipped to switch team. We don't. So that's pretty much saying that they want to be the team that we just talked about. They want to be the team that wins big and doesn't have to be down 10 or 14 in the fourth quarter and flip the switch and try to come back all the time because it takes a ton of energy and it's not setting great championship habits. But anything on that, Jack, before we get out of here? No, I think it. They, all the right things are said by our players, by our coaches, and it's just like, all right, it almost makes it more frustrating because it's like, mm. you know what the problems are, fix them. Um, but it's, it's easier said than done. Yeah, it's not 2K where you can just do it all yourself and make it all kind of worked out. But Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody for listening. You can find us on all stream platforms. If you have a family relying on your income, you need life insurance. But finding the best quote shouldn't take a lifetime. That's where Policy Genius comes in. In minutes, Policy Genius could save you 50% or more simply by comparing quotes from America's top insurers. Once you apply, the Policy Genius team handles all the paperwork and red tape. To save on life insurance and get protection for you and your family, head to policygenius.com today. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.